0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we'll go to 1. Right, 2 Timothy chapter 1. The verse is simple. The verse we're going to look at, we kind of jumped over it last time we were here, because it was. It was I was looking at things from a different context. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Um, as things began to fall apart through the week. And I saw the videos of people out pushing, be, fighting over toilet roll and knocking each other down and um, that kind of thing. I saw people hoarding. I saw people buying um, freezers to store their stockpile of food. And, and um, I began to look at that and I began to, you know, to look at, heard the story of the boy in, Tennessee, I think it was, the guy in Tennessee who went about and bought 17,000 bottles of um, hand sanitizer sanitizer, and then was trying to make a profit and sell them for like $75, $80 a bottle. And I saw all this kind of craziness going on and I even saw some Christian friends on Facebook bragging about how they'd been stocking up and hoarding and getting the last pack of toilet roll and all that kind of stuff. And I began to wonder, you know, what what are we doing? Uh, and And I think... And I'm going to tread on thin ice a little bit here. I don't want you to misunderstand my words. I hope you know me for who I am. Um, so I, I, I think in addition to our pandemic, the the um, viral pandemic we're facing, I think we are facing and have faced and have seen a real pandemic of fear at the same time. Um fear does seem to be controlling a lot of thoughts and a lot of minds. And it is easy to be afraid. It's easier for all of us to be afraid. I've caught myself in the same situation over the last week, week or so. And I can't even imagine being in a situation like Caroline is in where um, every patient she has would be in that ultra-high-risk group. Every single one of them would be in that ultra-high-risk group. Um, 70s, 80s, with underlying conditions. Um, so I understand that. Um, a lot of people are doing, a lot of people are doing the reasonable things. We ought to be washing our hands and coughing properly and learning how to sneeze and, and a lot of us, those of us who are, those who are prone to the virus, um, those who have underlying conditions, over 60, all that makes sense. But as worrisome is that people, even some Christians, are allowing a spirit of fear, if not to control their actions, that spirit of fear can be in a position of controlling our minds. And the problem with the spirit of fear is, it can go from reasonable concern to develop where the fear consumes us. I read a book, and I'm rereading a book called by Michael Crichton, called "State of Fear." He wrote it back in 2004, and his state of fear was based on um, uh, global warming, is was the thing that kind of caught fire all over the world, and and the media were hyping up global warming, and it was a conspiracy theory book, um, and the whole idea was that, that the governments and places were going to use fear to take control of people's lives, and it was a conspiracy book, but it did point out how easy it is for people to become overwhelmed with fear, And a couple things we need to look at. I'm not going to keep you long because there's not a whole lot to say. It's pretty much black and white. So look at 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, very clear verse, very short verse. We have on one side, we have the spirit of fear. On the other side, we have three things that God gives us during a time of crisis. We can fear and panic and act blindly in fear. Or God gives us three things that we as believers can do to act properly in response to the valid, genuine concern that's out there. This is a concerning matter. There's no doubt about that. We can't deny the fact this is a concerning matter. Um, Ash read me a quote by a pastor or by a preacher that, that we know, uh, or she we've at least met, who basically just condemned anybody who had any kind of fear or rationale or reasoning at all about the, the virus, saying it was ridiculous and ignore it and do like Christians can do sometimes and basically saying that do everything they don't, don't wash your hands kind of thing. That was his attitude. You know, don't wash your hands because that's proving you're a liberal. It's um, all that kind of stuff. But there's a balance between the spirit of fear and these other things. So let's pray, and we'll ask God to direct us, and we'll look at um, the state of fear and the three states that we can use as Christians today to counteract that kind of fear. Father, we thank you for our chance to be together, Lord. I thank you for the sweet spirit, Lord. I pray, and Lord, I think everybody in this room... All of us, and those of us who may be listening by podcast or, or whatever, Lord, um, would have to admit that there has been at least inklings of fear in our hearts over the last couple weeks, as we learn to deal with this. Lord, I pray, and that's normal. I mean, that's it's, it's a normal reaction that our concern can build into fear. Lord, I pray that we would learn that that a spirit of real fear doesn't come from you. But you've given us three things to replace that spirit of fear. And I pray you might bless our hearts as we look at those things today. Help us to be attentive to your word and to begin to apply the things that you want us to apply. Um, During a time of crisis, help us to see a biblical view of what we do when the world seems to be falling apart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Why do you think the Bible says that God does not give us a spirit of fear? What does fear do to you? Alright, listen, let's, let's, we've all been there. We've all, I mean, we've all sat there the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure as you've listened to some news reports, and we've seen things on the television. There's that inkling of fear kicking up in us. Why is fear so dangerous? What, 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 what is fear going to do to us? First of all, is fear going to solve any problems? It makes us act irrationally. It makes us act irrationally. Now, fear itself is not going to, it makes us, um, yeah, I mean. It, it, in addition to that, fear can also paralyze us. Now, fear is the negative side of being wise and having a sound mind, and realizing there's a problem. We're going to see that later. But when the word fear is when the word fear is used here, it's talking about that obsessive, deep, paralyzing fear that we can all feel. You all know the feeling, don't you? It's that pity your stomach, knock you off guard, tie your stomach in knots feeling that comes along when we get afraid. <clears throat> the funny thing, not the funny thing, but the strange thing about human nature is people like the buzz of a little bit of fear, don't they? People like scary movies, they like going on roller coasters, they like movies like what's it called? The Living Dead. The Walking The Walking Dead. Um, I'm not being facetious. I really have never have seen it. Um, Zombies have no interest for me at all. Um, It's one thing I don't get. But um, people like to be afraid. Um, I was walking this morning. (coughs) and Netflix, or not Netflix. um, Spotify had an album of children's songs. And an ad they put in it was a new movie. What's the movie that has the scary clown in it over and over again? What is, what's that series of movies? Is. What is it? it is. Okay. And right in the middle of that ad, in the middle of all these lullabies, there's this clown comes on and says, I've been waiting 23 years for you. And it's it's right in the middle of, this, of, of these lullabies. Okay. Now, I do know what the guy looks like. I've never seen those movies either, but I do know what the guy looks like. And he's, the guy, they were kind of saying, can you imagine some poor kid listening to the lullabies and all of a sudden, this Alexa who you've learned to love and trust is talking about waiting 23 years. i come get you. All right. But there is a certain point where kids like to be afraid. Our, chi- our children our grand- our children and our grandchildren like could like being afraid so much. So in their little irrational minds, Grampy, scare me. Well, I can't scare you if you're ready.
1: <laughs> Alright?
0: But there is this buzz of fear. And I'm, and people are enamored by fear. And the theory of Michael Crichton's book is that people like to live in a state of fear. There's some perverse nature about us that likes to anticipate the worst. Isn't that true? Because we, we want the buzz, we want the excitement of... Something about us likes that. But the kind of fear the Bible talks about is this paralyzing fear that controls our thinking. It controls our actions. It controls our attitudes. It controls how we treat each other. It controls our reliance on God because really, when we come right down to it, if I allow fear to control my spirit, I'm not trusting God to get me through a situation. Um. That's why I say there's a difference between fear and reasoned concern. Reasoned concern motivates us to action. Fear paralyzes us. You see that fine difference there? Looking at a situation, be concerned, that motivates us to do something. Fear paralyzes us and shuts us down. So the Bible says here that this spirit of fear in our hearts and our minds is not from God. That means if it's not from God, there's one of three places it comes from, or or more than one of three places that it comes from. It comes, spirit of fear can come from the world, it can come from our flesh, or it can come from Satan. And right now, the media are reveling in fear because it draws people to watch their channel. I'm, even me, I can find myself obscenely obsessed with watching a news channel watching the same news stories over and over and over again. It's fascinating. And it does kind of... We like to be titillated whether it's for good or bad. And But the spirit of fear comes and we become paralyzed and the Bible says that spirit is not from God. So either it's, either the world is causing us to fear and I have to admit, I still believe a lot of what the world is doing is motivating us to act in fear. People got afraid and they went out and they bought two hundred rolls of toilet paper. They bought every hand sanitizer on the shelf. Um they they bought six months trying to buy six months of groceries. Our supply line's not gonna be cut off. Okay? Well hopefully it's not. There's no indication that's gonna be cut off. I was talking to a manager, somebody who was managing of Lidl, and um how their supplies are keep coming in and the Little warehouse, the Aldi warehouse are packed to the gills and there's trucks arriving every single day bringing in the supplies and talk about how unreasonable this fear was. People are acting out of fear. So the world is doing part of that. The other place that fear comes, it comes from our flesh. That's the me. It's my own me. And I don't know about you, but I find that my greatest enemy most of the time is me. It's me that lets me respond in fear. It's me that allows me to get angry. It's my selfish desires that give me the wrong kind of thinking. It's the lust of the mind, that lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's all me, 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 me. And I find that I'm the worst enemy I've got. So sometimes my fear comes because of my nature. Because if I can't see a solution to this, I'm going to get afraid. The other place that fear comes from is the fear can come from the devil. We don't talk about the devil much anymore. It's not a hip thing to hip, hip. That's about sixty years old. It's not a hip thing to do. It's not a cool. Sometimes these things come flip back into my head from nowhere. It's not the cool thing or, the, or it, to talk about the devil today. But the Bible still says that the devil walks around the earth, seeking who he may devour. And if we get this little bit of fear in us, we've got to be careful because Satan can jump in and turn that fear into something that paralyzes us and causes us to doubt God and to doubt the hand of God is working. And this is all natural. It's not unnatural when that comes to your mind. If you've been afraid the last week and a half or two weeks. That's not a sin. Okay? It's a normal flesh response to a very real situation. The question is, what do we do? with that spirit of fear and that's what the rest of the verse talks about here alright we have the spirit of fear but then he says there are three wonderful things and I didn't have a clue until I started looking at this Wednesday and God just things just just amazing things um, began to happen here Um, and and, and the things that God showed me and I hope and I'm trusting by God's help that I can kind of get across um, some of the things God gave me this week All alright God has not given us a spirit of fear. I just realized that I've got these in the wrong order in my notes. So bear with me. All right? First thing on my notes is the spirit of love. I know it's power and love, but I just realized I'd made a mistake and I don't want to follow my notes, okay? First thing we have here that God has given us, and I think, and yeah, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, no, I'm not. <laughs> God has given us a spirit of power. I'll change my notes, all right? Uh, God, God has given us a spirit of power. The truth is here. As we sit here, and as we feel, as I have felt helpless about the spirit of fear over the last few days, when I do that, I am forgetting that God has given me the power to overcome that spirit of fear in these circumstances. Jesus told the disciples when He left Earth in Acts one eight He says, "Um, you shall be my witness." He says, "And all all power shall be given." um, what's what's, what's Acts one (laughs) eight? I lost it. All right. You should be able Hold on. Sorry about that. Brain lapse. Probably there's got to be a brain to have brain lapse. Mm-hmm. One second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what happens when I change my notes. Yes. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the outermost parts of the earth. Jesus flat out says there that, that we shall receive power. And that spirit of power comes from, from God himself. God has given you and me and the other believers that we know, God has given us the power to deal with that fear. God has given us the power to keep on going even during the most difficult of times. And we don't know what's going to happen. This could, this could be the greatest crisis of our lifetimes. Um, I see it backing off in China, so my logic says it, it doesn't look like it's going to be something as bad as the Black Plague, but we don't know what's going to happen. But we can know that God will give us the power to get through it. We don't, excuse me, we don't have to crumble spiritually. God will give us the power to get through it. Does that mean none of us are going to get sick? no does that mean none of us are going to die I hope so but not necessarily I mean I'm 65 years old I'm in that group I feel like I'm pretty fit we've got people with other underlying medical conditions around here we've got people in our church with autoimmune um, deficiencies we've got people we've got all kinds of stuff out there and we may get sick and we may die to be truthful but you know what the Bible says here? It says that God has given us a power to come to go through those things. We will not have to be broken by this thing, no matter how bad it gets. God has given us the power, and I want to switch because power is kind of the basis for the other, the other two things. Actually, um, He is the all-powerful God. No crisis is too big for God, and God gives us the power we need. We need to serve Him. And even if, this, even if a crisis, any crisis, I keep referring to our present crisis because that's going on, but no matter, in any crisis we face, we can know that God will give us the power to stay true to Him as we go through the crisis. As you look back through history, things that people have endured, things that Christians have endured, here we are 2,000 years on and the church still survives because Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Have people died? Yes. Did people helping during the plague die because they got infected by the plague? Yes, they did. Did people... Um, but at the same time... Well, at the same time, when people have done this, God has the power to work through these situations. Some of the greatest revivals of human history, especially in the last three or four hundred years, has come have come as a result of a plague or a disease or a crisis of some sort. Because God's people had the power to stay faithful and vast hordes of people turned to God after the appearances of these plagues and these disasters and these illnesses. God's power is not diminished by COVID-19. It's not. God's power is still there. As powerful as this thing might be, God's power is not not going to be beaten because greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. All right, so God has given us God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but we have God has given us a spirit of power. And as we as we watch the news, and as we see things growing, at the end of the day, we've got the power of God in our life. We've got the power to say, you know what? That's really bad, and this is getting worse. And the whole thing's falling apart. But I've got the power of God dwelling in me. And if the power of God chooses to heal me, that's great. But if the power of God chooses to allow me to get sick and to be a testimony through my illness, and if God's power allows me to die with this illness, and I can stay true to God through this illness, how? what kind of impact am I going to make on the world? And what matters for, for all eternity at the end of the day? It matters is our impact on eternity that people could turn to God because of the power of God in our lives. And people are gonna watch us and people I walk with, they all know I'm a Christian. And and we I talk to them every day about this kind of thing. And my main my, my main thought is to keep people is to keep in my mind that I've got the power of God and that I believe God's in control and I believe no matter what happens, God has the power to work through this situation for his own glory. Alright, and the thing is, so we have the spirit of power. He's also given us, in place of the spirit of fear, God's given us the spirit of power. In the space of the spirit of fear, God has given us the spirit of love. I want to focus more on the second part, even though the first part may be more important theologically the second part of this is more important to us practically speaking the first of all is in the middle of this virus in the middle of this crisis or plague or whatever you want to call it this pandemic and then when everybody else is running around like lunatics with their heads cut off did you see the video of the people at the sam's club in america where they had like two dozen people with these big trolleys and the door opened and they were running palmel through the place, knocking each other down, getting to the to getting to the toilet roll corner and they're running full speed. It looked like they were in a race to get to the toilet roll and there's two ladies, those two ladies in Australia who are beating each other up, literally, over a roll, pack of toilet roll. Anyway, I don't, why did I say that? I had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> That just drove me crazy, I guess. Okay? all right. But God has given... God, the first thing is, is that God loves us. And that is a motivating... That's, a, that's What a motivation to get through the crisis. No matter how bad it is out there, no matter how crazy they're acting, that's where I started going, is that God still loves His children. He loves us absolutely. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to the cross to die for us. Mm-hmm. One of the great things, one of the, one of the one of the great helps when you go through a crisis, is to know that there's somebody there who loves you, who can help you through the through the crisis. I remember five, nearly five years ago. Do you know what made my recovery from my heart surgery so easy? I can tell you flat out. I can tell you. I mean, absolutely, is the fact. That I had a caregiver who loved me even when I was an absolute jerk, recovering from my heart surgery. And I could, believe it or not, I can be a jerk. I really can. Believe it or not, I can be very ugly. And my dear wife kept plugging away. When they were getting ready to send send me home, there had three or four guys that were getting ready to lease at the same time. He said, Do you have somebody to take somebody to home, to take care." Of? I said, "Oh yes." And there's no doubt every day out walking with me. And if I pushed it too hard, she put, reined me in. And you know how that made me go through that, that crisis time of my life, knowing that there's somebody who loved me? It makes all the difference in the world. So we can trust that during this time that we have a God who loves us. And that deep abiding love that God has for us which should be able to carry us through any kind of crisis because God loved us. Loves us. What a comfort. And we can sit here now. I don't. As far as I know, none of us are infected yet. None of us are giving any hope. None of us are infected yet. But even now, we can say that, you know what? God loves me. And he's there. But I want to take us a step further. God has given us a spirit of power to overcome the situation we're in. Not overcome it, but to endure through the situation we're in. But God has also given us a spirit of love. And this is where we have a chance to shine this is where we have a chance to make all the difference in the world because God says that people are going to know we are his disciples by the love that we have for each other and how did Jesus summarize you look, I'm reading through oh, the Old Testament laws now in my yearly Bible reading and it just seems not to go on I mean I'm not going to, God's word is God's word but if you start reading in Exodus, the end of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's like on about this leprosy and that leprosy spot and this discharge and that discharge, and it goes on, tells you I mean, this sore and that sore. And but you know what? All those laws that God gave for us in the church. How did God summarize? How did Jesus summarize? Two commandments. One great commandment, but it has, a, has an, appendment, an amendment to it. What's the one law that we're charged to keep? It has two parts of the one law. What does Jesus say? What's the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. You want to put it down in black and white? That's it. Love God and love others. question is, how much are we going to do during this crisis to show our love for others? Yes. God without a... If you haven't read that Martin Luther quote I put up earlier in the week on Facebook, go back and read it. It's a bit deep, but what a balance he talks about there. Um, Sure. We have to take care of ourselves. Right? Even if we're selfish, we even if we're thinking... But even if even if we're, even if, what was that for? We need to take care of ourselves because how are we going to help other people if we're sick ourselves? All right, so we need to take reasonable steps to take care of ourselves. We need to stay away from situations and all those kind of things. We need to take care of ourselves so that we can help others. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to take to love others and to show our love. We sang about it this morning that we show our love through our actions our words and our actions and our attitudes. That means we need to be praying about God can allow us how to show His love to our friends and neighbors and people in our community if this thing drags on. One thing we can't do, one, one, one thing we can't do that I'm seeing a lot of is we can't go to the shop and buy every pack of anything because it's sure to leave somebody else without I saw, I saw a picture of a woman at a Sam, an older woman at a Sam's club obviously using her trolley as her Zimmer and she's walking along and she's she's on the toilet paper rack which is you've never seen a Sam's club as far as you can see it's metal shelving 10 feet high usually full of to- toilet paper and when she went the pictures of her standing there and all that's left is a torn pack, a torn open package of four toilet rolls That was a great picture to show what happens when we become selfish and overly concerned with us. We need to be careful that we show our love through our actions. And this is the time for us to shine forth and show our light to the world. We need to keep others in mind. Yes, it is vitally true that we use a crisis time, no matter what the crisis time is, to talk about our faith in God. Because our purpose is to see people saved. But then we've got to back that up. If I, if I stand here, if I stand here preaching, sharing the gospel with somebody, and I've got 12 packs of toilet roll in my basket, and they say, could I have one of those packs? I'm short. No, you can't. But Jesus loves you. But you can't have my toilet paper. I'm not kidding, folks. That's not that unrealistic you know what we're saying when we go clear the shelves of stuff for us? I have to have enough toilet roll to get through this thing, so I'm going to buy 1,280 rolls of it. And people are going to suffer because of our selfishness. Yeah, we need to share the gospel. I'm not denying that. I, I agree that's our primary purpose, but we need to back it up with our love. People are going to watch how we respond to this crisis. You claim to be a Christian. How are you doing? How are you dealing with all this stuff going on? And I, boy, I tell you, my biggest frustration in my flesh is I want to jump down the government's throat or somebody else's throat and complain about somebody doing this or somebody doing that. But man, if I allow that to happen, what does that say about my attitude? What does that say about my walk with God? Yeah. so we we God has and the thing is God has given us that spirit of love in us they're going to see whether we trust God or not it's not the time and I've seen some of this on Facebook it's not the time for Christians to be mocking and making light of people who have concerns and fears we can't afford to do that there are people who have real Deep-seated fears and concerns about this crisis, and if my response as a Christian is to mock them and make fun of them, then I—I I don't know what to say. What am I doing? I'm not showing a spirit of love. I'm showing an—I'm um, being—I'm being that real jerk. And the word "jerk" isn't strong enough for a word I'd like to use, but I'm being podcast, so we can be real. Difficult people, sometimes, shall we say? All right, that's not God's plan for us. In any panic situation, our desire, our goal, ought to be on the front line to help others, compelled by the love of Christ. And as Mary said, read the verse earlier. Um, about part of our responsibility is to go out and to share, to be there for others. I'm not saying put yourself at risk, although there may be occasions. I mean. I'm going to brag on Caroline here for a second because, well, because I love her and because she is being an example. I mean, she is on the front line of this battle, and she is risking her she is risking her health and well being to be on the front line. I use Caroline because she's here because she's part of us, but there are people all over the place who are doing the same thing. All right, we need we and and that's the I mean willing. Sh- And there needs to be at least a willingness on our part to help others. Don't be foolish. Obviously, if you know somebody's infected, you're not going to go into their bedroom and share a glass of water with them just to show you love them. But there are things we can do. We can do things like if we know somebody has a need to go to the campus, pick up their drugs, come back to the house and drop them on the step. That doesn't even put us at risk. We need to be the ones who are out there doing God's work. Then finally, God has given us a spirit of a sound mind. We talked about sound words and, 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 and those kind of things, but God has given us a sound mind. That, had, that means, what that means is, it means that God has given us uh, the, the head on our shoulders to think, and God has given us the common sense to use our heads. God's given us the common sense to recognize reckless abandon and reasoned practice to help others. We have that ability. We have that sound mind. All God wants us to do during these situations is to think. Don't jump at the first scary Facebook post you see. And don't share it. Alright? We are in no position to spread this panic. The world's doing a good enough job to spreading this panic. It doesn't need your and my help to spread this panic. What God wants people to see, what God wants people to see in us is a reasoned, sound mind, and they'll be looking to us as believers to see how we respond. God has given us not a spirit of paralyzing fear; He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love, and He's given about giving and giving us a sound mind. What do we do with that sound mind in any crisis? In this crisis, in particular, it means we do need to know the facts. Okay. We need to study. We do need to know the facts as the facts are presented. The problem is we don't have any facts in this current situation. We don't have, no matter what people are saying, we don't have any facts. So don't spread false facts as facts because nobody has the facts to share. We really don't know what's going on. So don't spread the false facts. We do know there are good hygienic practices that we all should be doing. We all do know that one way to avoid the spread of the virus is to stay away from people, and we should do that as far as is reasonably possible. We need we do need to to, to, to not allow these things. That and then the next thing is, we use our sound mind not to overreact. We do it to help help people in need. The truth is, it's not about us. I'm going to turn to Philippians. We're going to finish in Philippians. Um, We're going to look at a verse here. We're going to come back to Philippians in just a second. God has given us a sound mind. God has, and part of our sound mind is for us to realize the reaction to this situation is not about us. Look at Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4, and we're really almost done here. Therefore, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any comfort of love, if any comfort of love, alright, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy, boy, does that describe now? This affliction? Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, be of one accord, be of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, In lowliness of mine, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look each of you not only on your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Well, that is one of the most practical passages I've read on how we're supposed to respond. It doesn't say, does it say there to forget about your own interest? Is that what it says? It says forget about your own interest? No. It says don't focus only on your own interest. Think about other people. Is it wrong for me to go to Aldi and buy enough toilet paper to last a couple of weeks? Is that wrong for me to do that? No, because I we need toilet paper. Is it wrong for me to go and buy a year's worth of toilet paper? Yes. Because somebody else is going to do without. So, we need to keep in mind... Every step we take during this time, we need to keep others in mind. That's why it's wise if we think we have, if any of us think we have any signs of infection, that we stay away from other people. Alright? That's putting others first. It's a wise thing to do. Because we don't know what the contagion factor is. We have no idea how many people we infect or the numbers aren't there yet. So, we do the wise things. We think about others instead of ourselves. Um, think before you act or speak this is something we as a church need to be very 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 careful of. I'll be honest with you and I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've come across with this spirit. I've told some of my walking friends this I tend to be a bit skeptical about the severity of this thing. that's just me okay I very questionable I'm, I can be very skeptical about how when I look at numbers and data or data, whichever way you say it, I, I look at all those things, I can be get a bit skeptical about this. On the other hand, there are people who are convinced that this may be the end of the world. It does no good for me to laugh at them or mock them because of their opinion, to get in a fight with them and call them fear mongers and scaremongers. It does no good for them for, for them, to call me selfish because I'm not reacting as strongly as they are, we find a balance. There's no room for this. I've heard some conversations among Christians in the last couple of weeks, where I can almost feel the poles driving each other apart because you have this opinion, that opinion. I've seen it with vaccinators and non-vaccinators. Um, I have my own very strong view on that topic, but I'm not going to stand here and call somebody else names because they have a different view we're brothers and sisters in Christ a sound mind says yes I've reasoned through this here's the conclusion I've come to but I'm not going to stand here and mock you for your view in the back of my mind I might be saying I think you're an idiot (laughs) All right, but it's not the place for us to cause division we have one goal and purpose whether we're a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer whether we're reacting with hundred uh, percent, not fear but over or, or super concerned to this, or like me, we're a bit skeptical. We are still of one mind. We can't afford to divide. That is I, mean, I look at that and I look at what's going on and I look how Satan is, is behind fear. I mean we can't let Satan divide us because we differ on how to deal with this crisis but we can't agree that God's given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and God has given us a spirit of a sound mind and that we have a responsibility in these days to be fervent on the front line doing all we can do to serve our neighbors and our friends and to be a testimony for Jesus Christ that we can't argue that's flat out black and white Bible truth we have responsibility to care for others as much as God gives us the ability. God has given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And first we can go to always Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. If you still have doubts about the problem with anxiety and fear, Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, be careful for nothing. You know why I use that word careful. You've been around me long enough. It means that it's not full of cares. That we, one more modern word, don't be anxious about things. But in everything by, here's the answer, here's what we do. When that anxiety starts to come into your head, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And when we've prayed to God with supplication and thanksgiving and prayer, and we let a request be made known unto God, you know what the next verse says? And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, it requires faith. My goodness. I remember things that I've become anxious over. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even begin to tell you because you think what a rotten, you wouldn't even think what a rotten pastor I am. You think what a, what a rotten Christian I am. If any of the things that I've stressed over. My poor wife has to hear the things I stressed over. All right? And she's, thinking she still loves me through it. She's the one person who gets to hear all my fears and all my stresses. And she just keeps loving me and tells me to... Why don't you just trust God? <laughs> well, not that mean, but... Yeah. What she ask me sometimes? This is the, the best question. <clears throat> if you were counseling somebody from church... Who had the same anxiety that you have? What would you tell them? I tell them, I need to trust God. Do it." Yeah, okay. But the truth is, the truth is the truth. We can't afford to let ourselves become anxious because it will consume us. Instead, we need to focus on that spirit, spirit of power God gives us, the spirit of love God, that God gives us, and the spirit of a sound mind. First Bible verse I ever learned wasn't in church. I was in a um, an organization. Um, I don't think they're active here. Um, oh they were up north the Masons I was in a junior branch of the Masons and the key verse for that group was let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven dark days and folks they might get a whole lot darker before they're done but darkness gives us the chance to shine All right? If we're out in the bright sunlight, yeah, we're going. I mean, it's like like some places in America. There's so many Christians that your light is just kind of a glimmer that you kind of get used to. Do you see what I mean? Because they're all over the place. But if you walk into the lights go off and you're in a dark room and one candle's lit, it changes everything. And we have the opportunity to be lights in the darkness. We ought to be rejoicing that we have that chance. I'm not just one of. 40, 50, 60 million Christians in America I'm one of a couple maybe 10,000 born again Christians in this country And I think 10,000 is stretching it so let our light shine this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine let it shine, let it shine, let it shine cute kid song, right? is it? Or is it a song that all of us, it's biblical, that we can hear? We're going to do one more passage, and I hope I've not been preaching too long. I'm not watching the clock. Philippians 2, verse 12 through 16. I, I, I came across this this week. It talks about letting that light shine in the darkness. What is the biblical response to crisis? The biblical response to crisis, we've talked about several aspects of it, is to let the light shine. The darker it gets, the brighter we look. Philippians 2, verse 12 through 16, and we're going to be finished. Whencefore, wherefore, my beloved, as you have also obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. Now that looks like it says what it doesn't say. It means that we're working out our salvation so people can see it. Doesn't mean we try to work out work forward to salvation. It means our salvation is obvious. We're working it out. It doesn't stay in here. We're working it out for all the world to see with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in this world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now is the time, in a crisis for the army of God to move forward and light the way and light the path for the world to see. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord, and for the challenge today. Lord, I pray, Lord, and it's a scary time. There's no doubt about it. If we weren't scared, we'd be... If we didn't have anxiety, we'd be crazy because this is a scary, scary time. But Lord, I pray that in this scary time, we'd realize that we have a spirit of power you've given us in these dark days. We have the spirit of love to love you and love others. And we have the spirit of a sound mind to look at things from a reasonable point of view and let our lives be guided by your word. Help us to shine forth as light in this world and the days that are dark. And even if they get darker, Father, I pray we'd have the ability and the perspective to see, to shine as lights in the darkness. Thank you for your word and the encouragement it is in days like this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.